to thinking, you know, isn't it, isn't it interesting how you really don't know how something is when it always is? For example, you really don't know, or people don't really notice if your house is clean unless it's dirty, for, for lack of a better way to say it, right? You know what I mean? You really don't notice things are out of place, and we really don't realize, I, I think most of the times, we don't think about it, what it takes, for example, behind the scenes to do vacation Bible school, or to set up for a Sunday morning worship. You know, we don't really think about that. And it's just interesting. I, I don't know. I got to thinking about it. And so this morning, I, I, I just want to talk just a little bit about that and some of the things that are going on because I, I, I don't, you probably don't know. I mean, we don't mention a lot of things that we do. And I think it's worth mentioning. So here it is. <clears throat> I'm driving in, I'm driving in, I'm driving in. I notice something on the way to church. And I notice something, I notice something, I notice something. And I go, Man, that thing is starting to look really, really dirty. I cannot believe how dirty it is. Matter of fact, it's kind of hard to start seeing it. And so I went out today, this morning, at sunrise, and... Oops, oh man, I lost the effect. Oh, okay, wait, wait. Okay, and I cleaned the sign. Look how my, now see, and, and you really wouldn't, you really wouldn't probably notice something like that. But now that it's clean and you know it, sure enough, as soon as it starts getting dirty, you're going to come in and go, Pastor Tony, it's time to clean the sign, right? You know, it's kind of like, right? <laughs> but it is amazing how something can get a little dirty, you know, little by little, uh, or something can come into our life little by little. And before you know it, we just get used to it, you know, I, I think. And, and, and so I want to talk a little bit today, uh, matter of fact, um, about vacation Bible school in a way, but my subtitle for this morning is The Lessons I Learned from Vacation Bible School. Okay? But first, I'd like to talk about this. We had an all-star group here last night. The group uh, is actually an association called The Rock, and they minister to uh, young people uh, in three counties, Polk County, Orange County, and I think Osceola County. And they actually had two events here. One one event, they had some tr- uh, tryouts. It was almost like Americans Got Talent. You ever watch that? And so it was really awesome. This place was packed out. And it was just neat to see them ministering to all these young people. And the churches coming together was just amazing. I love it. And and it just it fired me up. And last night, they actually had their presentation. And this was some of the presentation. It was their awards. And it was just an awesome night. And I just took a couple snapshots. Uh, they had it real dim in here. I guess because it was a youth event. Youth event I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so the pictures didn't turn out really good. But just to give you an idea. And uh, this is actually Barakatu, which is a church that meets here. A Haitian, a Haitian church that meets here. And they won an award. So I tried to get a snapshot of that. These two young ladies um, volunteered in our vacation Bible school. And they were awesome. And, and just interacting church and church. And we've had a, we had a great time. So... Um, and this, I thought, you know, we were talking about, maybe you don't know it again, because I haven't really been mentioning it, but maybe going live with our service, right? Because, you know, people do that, and I, I think it could be beneficial. Um, well, they came in, and the sound guy didn't show up. Guess who did the sound? I did. That was kind of crazy. Um, but he didn't have a camera either, so they're scrambling, because they want to go live on Facebook, right? So, so the one guy goes, ah, and just before they start, he grabs his cell phone, goes in, gets a Dixie cup, takes takes two um, Chick-fil-A, um, what do you call them, uh, sauces, thank you, puts it in a cup, takes his phone, shoves it in the cone, turns it on, and goes live. That's creativity. I'm just saying, that was awesome. 
the whole night was just a, a time of of reaching out to young people and 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 encouraging them. It it, it it's kind of like one of the things you'd have to be there. Uh, but I know they grabbed my heart. Oh my my my! They asked me to pray at the end, and I, I almost I just couldn't really get through it. Um, just seeing them engage and lifting up Jesus and singing and using their talents, as, it was just so awesome. So this morning, we're, we're, here's where we're going, building each other up in Romans 15, 1 and 7. So if you'll turn there in your Bibles or your phones, whatever you have. I, uh, this morning, I've not been putting Scripture up, but I'm going to put it up on the PowerPoint because I, I want to follow the words real closely together. But still, if you'd turn there, Romans 15, 1 through 7. I am using New King James. And also, those Bibles are in your chairs, too, if you want to use the same translation. Or they, I think they made it back <laughs> from the event last night. So while you're doing that, I want to talk about this. Lessons learned from Vacation Bible School. The first lesson I learned is a common vision brought unity. Whenever you have a common vision, for example, Vacation Bible School, it brings unity. It brings unity in a body. And that's when the Bible says, listen, without a vision, people perish or they go astray. And that's really true. A church must have a vision. And I know here we, we have a clear vision, and that's to glorify God. That's to glorify God. I mean, a clear, clear vision. And, and, and our mission is, is to strengthen our families, right? Right? To equip our saints and to grow together in faith. And so we, we have to have a clear vision. And Vacation Bible School, definitely, it's a week-long uh, event, if you will, and it has a very clear vision. It has a very clear theme. It has a very clear direction. And it matters. And it matters not only in Vacation Bible School, it matters for a church, for a church body. It matters for your family. You ever feel like your family go astray a little bit, or sometimes you fade? And I know we can't be perfect, you know, don't, don't misunderstand, but you ever feel that way? You know, you just, your life just it starts to go astray. And I just want to say, take a deep breath and look for vision. Look for vision for your family. Look for vision. The first thing I do when I do marriage counseling, by the time I'm done counseling the couple, they, they have to give me a mission, our vision mission statement for their marriage. And man, I have some awesome, uh, I'll share them with you sometime, which I, I just now thought of that. I'll, I'll bring some, because um, I always ask them, can I share them? And it's, it's just, it's neat to see what, what couples will come. But you need a vision. Because if not, it's not just the church, it's our lives. If you, if you take your focus off work, if you take your, whatever it might be, we need vision. We need to see, we need, and, and we need to give God the glory in it. So they go hand in hand. All right, so another thing I learned was the many became one. Okay, look, we, went and we all came together in one, one time, right? We had an opening celebration, a closing celebration. So everyone came together, but then we all went away to our, our, our places. It might be crafts, you know, wherever it might be, different stations, but we still were, we were one. And we were still looking out for each other. You know, we, we'd go to Janetta, and, and she always had a packed house. <laughs> and so peek in, and how you doing? What's going on? And, and we just, you know, even though we weren't together in the sanctuary, and we were in different places, we were still watching out for each other. That's the lesson well to learn. When we're in it together, stay together. Watch out for one another. That way you don't have a tendency to kind of like just think about yourself, if you will, right? We can sometimes turn inward. Another lesson I learned was challenges were quickly corrected. 
You don't have time to go, well, let's just think about this. Well, you know what I mean? If something's going on, you got 30 kids heading somewhere and, you know, and it starts raining, you don't just go, oh, let me see. Uh, uh, hey, go to Walmart and grab some umbrellas, would you? You know, get, you know it, it, right? You know what I'm saying? The challenges were, were, challenges were corrected very quickly. And that's awesome. I wish church could always be that way. You know, like we're, every church has challenges. And, and when we have a challenge, it would be so nice to just go, God, what's the answer? Let's go. You know what I mean? We all come together. We all have a vision. We all have a focus. We're all in unity. And we just, boom, we go. We do it. That, that, that would be awesome. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it don't. <laughs> all right. We are more sensitive to God's leading. When there's vision and, and when there's a, a, a focus on what we're doing when we're together, everyone is more focused on what's, what is God doing. Because, again, you kind of don't have time to really think it through and second-guess it. And, and so that happens a lot quicker. We have a, we, we are, we are definitely a lot more sensitive to what God is saying and we'll respond to that. So Romans 15, 1 through 2, if you if you're in your Bibles, I'm going to read from the screen this morning. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. Romans 15, 1 and 2. You know, um, one of the hardest things, I think, to do, especially if you don't have vision and, and, and you're not really trying to think through of what you're doing and how that glorifies God, is we do have a tendency to be a little selfish, right? I mean, would you, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking myself, too. You know, I need, I need to be on guard on that. Why? Because the minute I turn inward, the more I start feeling that I deserve everything, <laughs> and, right? You ever go there and kind of like, well, it's my way or the highway, or you know, you're 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 wrong, I'm right, and and you just you start getting an attitude, and uh, it, it's really tough. But the word tells us in Romans it says, you know what, we we need to walk with one another, and when when your neighbor uh, is is in need or is and needs needs help or needs encouraging, that that we're to go to them outside of ourselves and, and put their good first. Now, quite frankly, that can seem odd. I mean, maybe I know some of you would go, well, it's not real odd. You know, of course, we're to love our neighbor like we love ourselves, right? It's part of the great commandment. I, I, I understand. But I don't know if you're any different, but I, I fade from that. I have a real tendency to care about me a little more sometimes than I probably should. Um, you know, like if there's a parking spot, I really am the one. My truck was there, and my truck is bigger. I should have that spot. It doesn't always happen, but, and then if I hit my horn, sometimes I'll back off, but I'm just kidding. I'm just seeing if you're listening to me. Thank you. Okay, so when, when then who are, when are we then who are strong are to bear with the scruples of the weak, and so the word's not telling us, you know, that for lack of a better way to say it, like to bow down before people and to just always give in and give up. And that's not it at all. But there's areas every one of us are strong in. Maybe we're in a season of time in our life right now. We're strong, right? We're feeling, we're feeling good. Things are okay. Things are good. Um, uh, emotionally, our self-esteem's up. And, and, but, you know, and then we're sensitive to someone that might not be. They're in a season of life where, where they're down. That's all, that's all Romans is saying. Engage them. You know, if, you, if you're in a, air, a season that you're strong, engage them. Because what, what happens in a church, especially, when you're in an area that you're weak or you're feeling down or something's going on, then someone's going to encourage you. 
Does that not happen? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. We continue with Romans 15.3. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And so lest we, we say, well, you know, Pastor Tony, it's a little hard to put others first. And, and, and sometimes I, I just don't know that I can, I can do that. Um, well, we're reminded, and, and Paul reminds us, um, Christ was our example, is our example. And that's what he did. I mean, he did that unto our salvation, right? I mean, really. I, so just we, we need to be reminded of that sometimes. That we, we want to put ourselves first, and it's, it's Christ's desire that we follow his example. And that we will lift him up by putting others first. That, that's, the, that's the deal. We lift him up by putting others first. Okay? Romans 15.4. For whatever things were written before were written for your learning, for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And uh, I'm, I'm also going to use my pointer this morning because, again, I want to just point out some key words. But for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. You've been hearing me a lot this whole year, several times, talking about things are learned. Spiritual things are learned. They, they, they just don't happen. You know, and, I, and today's sermon, uh, I can't go deep enough to really cover that, uh, you know, too deep here. But the bottom line is, when we're born, we're born into sin. We don't have a natural tendency to be uh, spiritually inclined to Christ or to God, right? Now, we're spiritual beings, so we have a natural tendency to be spiritual, but that, man, that can lead us to a lot of places, right? To Buddha, to whatever. I mean, just it can lead us to a lot of places. So we don't have a nat- natural desire to be spiritual and especially to be spiritual toward God or toward Christ. Well, the thing is, things are learned. We are learned. The, the, the Bible teaches us. The Spirit of God teaches these things. And here's out of Romans what it says. Here's what we're being taught. That we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures. Okay, don't raise your hand. I always have you raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Most believers struggle being in the Word of God. Now, I, I said it specifically like that. Most believers struggle. Most believers, and, and how, I'll qualify this. I talk to a lot of believers. I ask them specifically, may I ask you, you know, how are you in the Word of God? Are you reading the Word? Are you having a devotional time in the Word of God, the Bible? And, and the vast majority will just say, well, I just, I'm going to tell you the truth. No. All right, so I'm not being critical. I'm not being judgmental. I'm, I'm stating what, in my realm anyway, people I talk to as, as a fact. I would say at least 90% will say, no, I, I might be in the Word once a week, maybe uh, once a month. Uh, I'm in the Word when I'm in church, um, and that's awesome. <laughs> but this is, this is something we need to understand. It's the Word of God that teaches us. We learn from the Word of God. So if we are not in the Word of God, we're not learning. It'd be like it'd be like uh, the 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 youth. We used to do a lot of youth ministry. We used to have young people tell us all the time, you know. Well, you know, if it wasn't for having to learn, we'd love school, you know, all the time. And yet, it, trying to learn math or algebra, they always struggled, and they always looked at math and el- algebra, if you will, as an enemy. The young people did as an enemy. Who remembers those days? I used to too, and I had a great mentor. 
uh, I mean, even as a young person in high school, that I, I actually majored in um, math because of this mentor, this this other young person that helped me. It's learned, and if we're not in the Word, we're not going to learn the things of God. Don't don't be deceived. It, 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 yeah, we're not. We we really won't. And you know, we can catch so much a sermon. I. I I'm called to be a preacher, so uh, I mean, if I may, I love to preach. I don't know how else to say that. I do. It, it's it's edifying to me, and, and it's a calling that God put on my life. But here's the thing. I probably could ask 98% of you, five minutes after you leave that door, what I preached on, and most of you wouldn't be able to answer me. I'm not saying the word goes, the word never comes back void, and God's word always, so when it's proclaimed, I'm not saying that it doesn't, it doesn't come out and it doesn't affect and you don't hear it. But most, a very short time when they leave afterwards, will not remember it. It's when we get in individually, personally, into the Word of God and alone with Him that, that we learn the most. It really, really is. So we continue with Romans fifteen five through 7. And I'm... Uh, I'm actually stating the chapters and verses because we have a lot of people that listen on the internet. So that's the reason why, if you're kind of wondering. So now may the God of patience. Oh, yeah. Well, here we are, patience again. Trish, do I have a lot of patience? I don't. Oh, man. Okay. Who here feels like you have a whole lot of patience? Trish raises it. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, opposites attract, right? You know, okay. Who here says, I, I, have, I have like zip? I mean, it's, I'm, I struggle, yeah. It, it's kind of hard. Normally, it's usually one way or another. Who here says, I have a lot of, a lot of patience until I'm really pushed, and then all of a sudden, mm, it comes out? I think that's a little more me, maybe. But, yeah, it, and the thing is, is uh, watch this uh, in Romans fifteen five again. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ glorify God together therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God now church those that have heard my previous sermons for this year does this not sum up very well what we've been talking about? God's will is found in John six forty. For this is the will of God that he who looks upon a son of the God and upon the Son of God and believes in him shall be saved. For this is the will of God for he who looks upon the Son of God and believes in him will be saved. John six forty. That's his will. What's his purpose? That we glorify him. There's really, there, there, seriously, there's no other purpose. Isn't that, that's hard to grab. If, if, if we, we walked out of here, woke up in the morning and said, God, in everything I do, I'm going to glorify you. For most of us, our day would be totally, radically different. I got to constantly remind myself. No, today is the day I want to glorify God. And here, as he speaks to us in his word, as he speaks, this is God's word. I know what's on the PowerPoint. I know what's on a screen. Hear me out. It's God's word. God is speaking. I, you're reading it. I'm speaking it. But it's God speaking. It's, it's a living word from God. He says, now may the God of patience and comfort grant, give you, grant 
you to be like-minded toward one another. It's not something that happens naturally. Bless you. You see, it goes back to vision, and it goes back to unity, and it goes back to, to, to having a common goal and a common sense about what God wants and knowing through his word what he wants. Then and only then can God grant you through his word and his spirit the understanding that it takes, watch, to be like-minded toward one another. Because the Bible says we all have a bent toward being selfish, me too, right? According to Christ Jesus, that you may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God. That's the goal. That's the vision. Can you imagine if Four Quarters Baptist Church, 4CBC, was just one big vacation Bible school? And we put before the church a vision that was just like vacation Bible school. It was pretty simple. Roar. I do it loud, but I scare people. So roar. <laughs> Life is wild. God is good. And we just took that vision and we, did, we imparted it from not only here in the word and the spirit, but we took it from here and we were so vo- focused, just like vacation Bible school, that during our life that we would just go out and we would just tell people every time we saw someone, we would give them a smile and we encourage them and we put them first and say, God is good. We, we probably don't have, can, I, I'm going to say it like this. I, I don't know how else to say it. I'm trying to think of a different way so it doesn't seem so harsh. I, I don't want it to be harsh. But we probably don't have a clue, if, right? Most, most don't have a clue that if you would approach someone in our culture right now today in Polk County, I'm going to make it personal, and you just, you, out, of, out of the love of Christ now, and just say, God is good. I think you would get more of a response than you even ever dreamed I, I think the next thing you would do is you'd be, you would see people that you say that to give you a second look, and then all of a sudden they just go like, wow, what do you, like, what do you mean? And you don't, it doesn't seem so good right now. Well, God is good. Can I pray with you? Can I? And I know sometimes that can be a challenge. I know people tell me all the time there's a fear there. Tony, Pastor Tony, it's, it's hard to do, and you know, but, but, but it, but we might be like-minded with one vision to glorify God and have that in your heart. And you're in the Word of God. And it's God that will put that smile on your face. It's God that will, when you look at that person, you just go, God is good. And they look into your eyes and, and I, mean, I mean this. Because you're in the Word of God. The Spirit of God is with you. They say, God, they can't help but to respond. I'm telling you. They can't help but to respond. God is good. And on verse 7 it says, Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And in all of that, we glorify God. In all of that. Well, we're going to receive communion this morning. And I've had the ushers come up. There's no better way to play this out but the ultimate example of what Christ did, what's shown through communion. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, we read this. 
For I received from the Lord, and, and before I go uh, fully into communion, I want us to catch this. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, it says, For I received from the Lord, right? Let me go back. Verse 7 out of Romans 15. Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord. It doesn't come from anyone else. There is no other God. There should be nothing more or put before our God, creator God. We receive from him. We receive from him. I know sometimes we want it like to be our way or, you know, we have our plans. I know the best made plans of man, the Bible says, they fail. But 1 Corinthians says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he gave it, and when he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Pastor Rowley, if you'd distribute the bread, please. So as we go in a time of communion, if you're a believer in this room, a born-again believer, it means that you've come to a place where you're repented of your sin and you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Another way to say it is you put your trust in Jesus as your Savior. Then you this morning, we're, we're receiving communion. And as we receive communion, Jesus himself said, we're to do this in remembrance of him. So I'm going to give us just a, a, a time of silence in a moment once, once we're distributed here. And I just want us to pray. And I want us to go, you know, th- I mean, it's individual. Just t- take a time for yourself to just... Thank God for his love and for Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, you know, you've never received communion or you're not sure what it is. It's okay not to receive it. I'm serious. No one looks at you. No one will think, oh, oh my, they're not, you know, they're not receiving communion. Um, because if, you, if you're not a believer, if you're not born again, then it wouldn't make any sense to remember something that, that's not yours, if you will, yet. Right? And quite frankly, that wouldn't make sense probably if you weren't a born-again believer. We're going to give an opportunity for that in just a moment. The Bible tells me this. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone in this room knows that we fall short of God's glory. We do, we do. Thank you. And in Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And even though those words really, the Bible say, says this, they're a mystery to those who don't believe. You can't understand these words unless the Spirit of God is revealing them to you. That in and of itself can seem strange. I remember very well. I was older when I was saved. You guys know my story, and you're going to keep hearing it as long as I'm preaching. Here I'm like 32 years old, and I'm hearing someone tell me these things. What do you mean all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? But you know, the pastor asked me, you know, do you understand it? And what did I say? No. I said, but I believe it because I knew it was true. The Spirit of God was telling me that that word was true. So if you're in this room, I know one thing. Even if, even if you've not put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, even if, you know, you know there's a God. 
Creation reveals his attributes. His word, his spirit reveals to us the truth. That for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those words alone from God himself, from the Bible, and the spirit reveals to us. Those words alone tells us. So if you're here this morning, before we receive this bread, I want to take an opportunity just to pray. If you know in your heart that you have not put your trust in Christ as your Savior, but you just know God's speaking to you, he's, he's revealing to you the need to put your trust in him, I want to give an opportunity for that. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your love and your grace, for your word. And Lord, we do pause, knowing that it's your timing. Today is the day of salvation, and I don't know if that's for someone in this room or not. But if it is, we thank you. I thank you for my own salvation. I thank you for revealing to me that my sin separated me from you, and that you loved me so great that you sent your son. He paid the penalty for my sin. He was buried. He was put into a tomb. But he's alive today. Lord, thank you. And if that's you this morning that you're saying, Pastor Tony, I've I've never put my trust in Jesus. But you know what? God is revealing to me it's true right now between you and him. Let him know you're sorry for your sin because he's putting that within your heart, by the way. He's the one revealing that you need to be sorry for it because you need to stop living life your way and put your trust in him. And maybe that's you. And tell him right now, I do. I put my trust in you. I trust that Jesus died for me. Thank you for saving me. It brings about a whole new meaning for another. And you engage and you focus and God is good. He is so good. So we, we take the bread And remember, as the Bible tells us, as Jesus said, whenever you take the bread, do this in remembrance of me, for my body was broken for you, that you might live. Let's let's receive the bread. Father, we thank you for sending your one and only son. I thank you, even this morning, just knowing the possibility that someone here might have received you as Savior knowing that there's many saints in this room that have put their trust in you, and we do receive this bread. And there is something about it. We just we remember you, and we're reminded that your love is greater than anything that comes our way. Lord, help us be united. Help us to have clear vision. Help us to be focused. Help us to come together and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Corinthians 11.25, we read this. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, and remember it to me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, we're to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, not just in communion, right? But again, as we take communion, we do this in remembrance of him. We come to that place where this, quite frankly, can be interesting. We're drinking of the cup that represents the blood of Christ. Now, this is not the blood of Christ, 
but it represents the blood of Christ. We're doing this in remembrance of him. And if you think about it, that can seem strange. I mean, seriously, um, if, if you're not a born-again believer, if you've not put your trust in Christ, or sometimes even as a believer, I remember early on when I first was saved, I had to really talk with people and, and you know, counsel because, because I'm trying to think, okay, well, I, I get it. When, when the Bible says receive this bread and, and, and receive this, take, you know, take the bread and receive the cup. Um, but I had to really understand, you know, why, if you will, would I be drinking, right? Because it's to remember. I, I remember uh, David Eldridge, my first mentor. He said, well, Tony, think of it this way. You know that this was the Last Supper. It was the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples, and he said, I want you to re- just just think of this. It makes it tangible. It makes it physical because God knows we're physical beings. And when we receive the bread, I mean, even Jesus knew that and he passed the bread, right? He, he, he made it physical and he made it understandable. And that's what I look at this like. When we receive the cup, not only did Jesus say to do it, not only to remember him, but his blood really was shed. We don't have to be ashamed of that, by the way, right? Sometimes it's hard to say it. Well, if I say it, some might not, someone, but somebody might not understand it. Well, it does. It's not up to us. It's up to God for them to understand. So, as we receive the cup this morning, we receive it with thanksgiving. We receive it with um, an attitude of, of gratefulness, and we receive it by the Spirit of God that says, "And do this in remembrance of me." Amen. And Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you for this day, for the blood that you did shed. As a believer, I I get it now. I receive it. I believe it. I know it. There there is nothing that could ever take that away from my heart because you're in my heart. So Father, help us. Help us to share your goodness and grace with others. Help us. Uh, as we follow up with uh, children from vacation Bible school, and actually youth um, that that put down, they prayed and received you as Christ. There's like five youth, Lord. But you know that. You know anyone in this room that received you this morning. You know the hearts of those in this room that that already know you. So may we glorify you in it all. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.